0: Welcome back to Big Chat, the podcast series by Big C, where we discuss cancer-related stories from bereavement and support to treatment and research. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Barbara Reed. She works in the events industry as a concept designer and was first diagnosed with tongue cancer in 2019. And she joins me today to tell her story. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and, um... Thank you for giving your time to have an interview with us. Um, we're ex- yeah interested to hear your story, obviously, and it's mm. really relevant because it happened before we reopened, and now we're open again. So yeah. thank you. Um, can you tell us um, about
1: your diagnosis? Yeah, so I was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue, which is tongue cancer, and um, in back in 20, well it was actually New Year's Eve 2018, 2019. So happy new year. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it was stage one, thankfully, so they caught it really early. Yeah, so.
0: And so that's tongue cancer? That's tongue cancer, yes. Um, And what prompted you, did you have symptoms or what prompted you to get diagnosed?
1: Yeah, so um, in, autumn 2018, I noticed an ulcer appearing on my tongue. Now, I was freshly engaged and I just thought the, the wedding flutters got to me and I was feeling stressed. So I just I called it a stress ulcer. Went to a pharmacist, um, got some bits to, to help me for it to heal. Um, I've ne- never had an ulcer before, so I didn't know what an ulcer, ulcer should be feel like Um, and then it just didn't heal and the pharmacist very quickly referred me to my dentist mainly because one of the symptoms that I had was when I ate chocolate it really burnt which isn't usual for an ulcer. Um, so the dentist saw me a few times and decided actually this is still not healing and then referred me to the uh, Norfolk and Norwich Hospital, to the oral health department who then after a little bit longer had um, a biopsy done uh, which to everyone's surprise uh, turned out to be squamous cell sarcinoma. Mostly because it's not typical for my age group, Um, so tongue cancer in itself is fairly common in the elderly population um, for for various reasons, but definitely not in young women. I was 31 at the time, so yeah, (laughs) it was all a bit of a shock.
0: I was going to say, so what were your initial thoughts and
1: how was that affected by the fact that it was a rare cancer as well? Yeah, so my first, well, my initial thing, it wasn't even on my radar. I thought it may be some sort of virus or um, an an immune system issue. So I I wasn't geared up to hear the word cancer, uh, let alone tongue cancer, because I didn't know that existed. Um, I didn't know that was even a possibility to develop cancer in your tongue. So... Um, it was a bit of a shock but I must admit in the appointment itself I was very much Okay, fine. How long will it take? What do we do next? What do I need to do next week because I've got work on so I was really pragmatic about it But it was actually looking at my other half's face that I suddenly it's helped me sink in that this is a really serious situation and um, Yeah, so it was more the reaction of my environment that helped me process the fact that what's happening to me is quite a serious affair
0: yeah and I guess as you said if it's something that's rare you've just never heard of then there's feelings attached to that in
1: terms of yeah Yeah, it was it was a huge unknown so I knew about breast cancer I I knew I knew about prostate cancer don't have one but you know there's all these other cancers that I was aware of and with tongue cancer I didn't know what it is, how it would be treated, how treatable it was, how aggressive it was Um, and also I think having something that's in your face or inside your head, that, um, well in my case inside my mouth, um, is very up close and personal so whenever uh, someone had to look at it or inspect it, you know, the hands are by your eyes, you can't really... um, Yeah, it's really intrusive in that sort of sense. And um, yeah, it was just this big unknown. And then at the same time, I knew don't consult Dr. Google. That was like the first thing. Anyone that I knew that had gone through cancer or anyone you ask is like, don't consult Dr. Google. And I said, well, if I can't consult Dr. Do- Google, I don't really know what this cancer is about. So, but I did stick to that for a long time. I didn't really know what I had. So, <laughs> got there in the end.
0: What were your friends and family's thoughts or concerns as well? Where did they go off with it? You know, in those first after yeah.
1: diagnosis? So, I think my fiance took it pretty hard. He was really concerned and also I think it's the the time where we were in our life with being young you know we were freshly engaged we were just about to put an offer on a house our careers have only just sort of manifested you know into stability and then suddenly it was all turned upside down so all the plans we had even for the next week were no longer relevant everything had changed overnight and I think his His concern for me was very uh, obvious, and that was, I mean, it was a nice feeling. I thought, oh, that's good. (laughs) They passed that test tick. But at the same time, it was like, what does that mean? What does that mean for him as well? Like, if I am left severely disabled by this, which at the time we didn't know, like, what does that mean for his life, having to care for someone? Um, My parents live abroad, so breaking the news via FaceTime was difficult um it had the effect that uh one side well one parent found it hard to compute the reality of it and actually went into a stage of disbelief for quite a long time and just was like ah no they've got it wrong or think positive or no no it's fine it's not as bad Um, so they went into complete stage of denial until you know once once the operation happened it was like oh gosh this this is really happening and then my my the other side of my family um, the other parent he just they just cried nonstop, and it was like baby girl was happening to my baby girl but the distance and I guess this is sort of related I can be relatable for people during diagnosed during the pandemic is the fact we had this distance we never saw each other until after my treatment that was really difficult actually to to manage that to deal with that Um, Yeah, and my friends were just great. They were all in shock. But I think the the best bit of, the best response I ever received was someone like saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. But at the same time going, you know what, you've got this. If anyone has it, you've got it. And I really needed to hear that. And I thought, yeah, yeah, you're right. I can do this. So having that sort of positive reinforcement really helped without it being like, oh, you'll be all right. You know, it's, it's that balance.
0: Okay. So how did your life change after that in terms of work and your business mm. and just a day-to-day life? Yeah.
1: It was an instant impact because like within days of diagnosis I was meant to be on a plane to Germany to go and produce a show. So I, I remember I even asked, I was like, uh, can I still go to Germany and do my show? Or and bless them, they were being really polite. So like, we think it would be better if you stayed in the country and we can do all the checks. And I was like, oh okay, no worries. And um yeah we re- really Bizarrely, and I guess I think I'm an event manager, so I'm really organised and I'm all about making things happen. So my first action was, when we left the hospital, was to bring my client. I mean, my client knew before my parents knew and just said, look, I am really sorry. I won't be able to make the show. And thankfully, they were great. They, They were like, yes, hey, don't worry. It's fine. It's not a big deal. We'll just change it over. So there's always sort of the immediate fallout of things to take care of. of. Um, But I think then it all sort of set us in and you come out of the crisis management mode and for me it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because I'd only just started out. So I I was self-employed for a few years but I then decided to go limited and change my direction and I was building something. And for the first time in my life, I was getting the feedback from the industry that, "Hey, this will actually work," um, and yeah. And then suddenly, it just all stopped. And I think what I also felt really, what what I also felt really passionate about is that, yes, this diagnosis sucks, and it's going to take the wind out of my sails, but it's not going to stop me because I know that in terms of my personal diagnosis, that I was going to bounce back, it was just going to take time. Um, so well, yeah, I did have like someone, um, before I openly announced that I had cancer in that those little twilight days, someone asked me, oh, I guess that's the end of your company and you're winding down. I was like, no, I've not invested all my time to building this to just close shop now. So I felt it really important to take charge of um, the way I broke the news to the wider public and manage my messaging throughout. So from diagnosis to treatment and now after as well. And um, Just because I wanted people to know I am ill, I am going through something, so you might not you well you will most likely not get a reply from me straight away, but I'm also it doesn't mean I'm gone like i I'm still here and I'm still relevant, and that was really important for me. I think I was a bit naive at the beginning in terms of I thought this would all be over in a matter of months it's two years later i'm I'm still. I mean I'm, I'm sort of back but I'm still at reduced capacity so yeah so it's, it's, it's managing other people's expectations whilst also I think being I, I, if I could go back I would be a bit more critical in terms of where how quickly and what will it really take to come back but
0: do you think that mindset helped you deal with
1: it as well definitely did yeah It definitely did. So, um, actually, I continued organising events throughout treatment. They were very simple. There was not much to it. Um, But four weeks post-surgery, I stood up in front of a crowd of people and and made a speech. For someone who was told you might not be able to speak, I was like, that that was a big moment for me in terms of, yeah, this is going to be fine. We'll find a way of, of managing through this. Um, yeah and then it's yeah and I think also trying so this has been really difficult trying to find this balance between positive messaging and positive reinforcement and saying hey I'm here and I'm fine and this is all right but also not like kidding anyone that this isn't hard so um, I have been I have made myself on purposefully quite vulnerable being very honest at times sometimes too honest for some people to take but i think it's really important to not glamorify what what i've been through so um i did share moments that were really hard i didn't share them in the moment as they happened but i penned them and then with a few weeks after if i feel still felt comfortable i would share it and that's on my private social media but also my professional social media um, because I I just felt it was important to have both sides of the coin.
0: Yeah, and personally I think it's absolutely inspirational the way you did that because I think then people can come back and think if if they need that support themselves, they think, oh I remember Barbara went through, Mm. do you know what, yeah, yeah, but like you said it's a balance isn't it. Mm. Um, How did Big C help in terms of how did you... Get support
1: and how did what advice did Big C bring for you? Yeah, so I came to the Big C Centre, I think, when I came back in for all my MRIs and all my scans. And I have to admit, at that time, I felt like a little lost lamb because I couldn't find my way around the hospital. I was like just a bit overwhelmed and bewildered by all the information that was sort of thrown at me that I at times couldn't really take in or understand and then at the same time I had like this whole big list of things that I needed to take care of but didn't really know where to start so I I remember I sort of wandered in here and went hello (laughs) can you help me please and it was really helpful because I just needed these signposts into the right direction and this reassurance that the things that were worrying me some of them yes They are concerns but this is what you can do and this is how you can manage it and this is where you can get help um, especially in the financial aspects of things and then it was also good like some of the worries I had I gained a bit of perspective by coming in here I was like oh yeah that's really not a big deal is it I thought oh okay that's fine right don't even you know let someone else worry about that Um, and I think speaking to being able to come somewhere to speak to people because I think when you get diagnosed it's really easy to try and forecast what's about to happen and I learned really early on from conversations with other people that actually just taking one day as they come is probably a better approach because you will just create more stress for yourself in trying to guess what's going to happen next Um, especially you know I'm not a surgeon I'm not an oncologist um, so to put my trust in them and let them worry about that side and for me just to try and manage what I could manage. Um, I think it was also really important for me to direct my my environment to the big C. So for example, my fiancé, if he wanted support or had questions he wanted to ask someone that he didn't want to ask me, he had a place to go. So that it was always there. If he used it or not, I don't know, I have to be honest. But I, you know, I gave him the leaflet at the beginning. I said, honey, if you need the support, it's there. And I'm sure that he's very aware that it was always there and used that as a reassurance as well. Um, yeah.
0: That's good. Um, and you, so what would you say you sort of valued most in terms of the support? Like, um, I think you said
1: you did some of the complementary therapies and did you do any of the sessions or counselling or anything like that? Yeah, so one of the things really early on I, I said, I thought, okay, this is a really crap hand that I've been dealt, but I'm going to make the most out of the silver linings. And they definitely are some very small silver linings, but they're very significant, especially when you're in a world of, you know, when you're not in a good place. So I came for all of the massages that I could have and actually... I, might, I joke about it now, but actually at the time they were so important for me. It was so important to be able to come to a place to relax and to have a bit of quiet time, take your mind off everything. Um, and the other aspect is is quite most people can't afford to go and have massages during that time, anyhow. So to have that option available was really, actually really really helpful for me, and, and really. Um, gratefully received and um, I, I came in here a lot because I was up at the hospital a lot and for me coming to the big sea near the hospital was a sanctuary in the sense that it's a relief to come somewhere where it doesn't smell of hospital where you can have a cup of tea where it's calm you know there's no people rushing around no one's like running labs from left to right everyone's just chill and having that quiet space really helps. Um, I also joined in, like I said, I've made the, mo- made the most out of it, but I also joined in the relaxation classes and um, I have to admit I wasn't too sure about them to start off with and I thought i oh, just give it a go. You, you have loads of time anyhow and I was really surprised like how how great they were and i think i had like a b- out of body experience in one of them because i was just like oh everything was like like relaxed and it was amazing i was like floating i was like this is great and actually it has them. i have since gone more towards mindfulness practice and and other things outside of the big city. so yeah it's just that it's just a space to try something else and if it works for you that's great you know that's really helpful and you know in a time of great stress yeah definitely
0: and did you do the look good feel better as well yeah yeah
1: i did yeah yeah i did and the swag was amazing (laughs) it was amazing and also i've never been a big girl on makeup anyhow so i I didn't so i remember remember going oh i always wondered what this is for this is great (laughs) and just having someone actually showing you like how how you're supposed to put your makeup on and not how you learnt as a teenager. (laughs) So no, it was a really great day. And full of laughs as well. You know, a lot of people think about oh cancer and everything's miserable. No, it's not, you know, we still laugh. And actually being able to be in an environment with other people who are in a similar situation, you can have a bit more of a laugh and a bit more of a joke. So um no, it was it was a really good afternoon. Oh good.
0: Because I guess you're going through the same all that explanation and people not knowing what to say is all gone it's all
1: in the same boat yeah no absolutely i think it's yeah you don't need to explain but also we all have a bit I, i think you develop a bit of a dark sense of humor which you can't share with the outside world because they're just mortified and don't dare to laugh at whatever crude joke you just made so being amongst people and you quickly you know you quickly figure out who's who's up for a laugh and who's not so being able to have that is really helpful it just loosens the mood and reminds you that actually it's not all about cancer it's it's about being and it's about living your best life in the most challenging circumstances mm-hmm. oh, that's
0: lovely thank you um okay what have we got so wh- Have you got any advice for any other business
1: owners that might have a cancer diagnosis and how they might deal with that? Yeah. So uh, I touched on it earlier. I think the biggest thing, especially if you own a business, you're probably a go getter person and you are used to a lot of stress and stretching yourself. And there's two things that I've reflected on that I would do differently now. Firstly, I would try and be a touch less naive. I think a bit of naivety is great, but just a pinch less because I could have saved myself a lot of money. (laughs) Um, If I would have thought, okay, three months is the best case scenario, but it could be two years. So let's make a plan for the three months and let's make a plan for the two years. Um, And then the first thing I did, and I'm so grateful I did, is I was ruthless in cutting my expenditure. Um, I'm a one-woman band, so it's different if you have a bigger company with lots of employees. You probably have more support. I I didn't. I knew I'm going to have to survive this by myself. So anything that wasn't absolutely necessarily in outgoings got cut. Um, And that's allowed me, two years on, with a pandemic in between and my industry being, you know, hit quite badly to still be here, I'm still trading. Um, I still have money in my bank account. Uh, but without doing that, I I don't think I would have been able to make it. Um, so that's that. The, the other big thing, and I think this is applicable not just to business owners, but to anyone who is career driven, um, we all will probably feel um, that we want to try and get back as quick as possible and push our bodies, which have already been pushed to a limit, even further and get annoyed and frustrated with maybe a lack of progress or a non-linear progress because cancer recovery isn't like this. It sort of does this more. One day you're great and you think it's all over and the next day you're on your knees again and you're completely knackered and you're like, why is this happening? But it's just to remind yourself to be kind to yourself and to take the time that not your brain says you need, but that your body says it needs. Um, I, I think that I push myself too much too early, which then has had a bigger knock-on effect on my overall recovery. And I'm still experiencing episodes of fatigue, which I really shouldn't probably anymore. Um, and I, I put that down to, you know, trying to go way too fast, too early. And, and I don't mean this in a physical sense, in the sense of running marathons. I mean, if you, were, if you were running marathons before you had cancer, there's a good chance you might be able to do that after again, um, depending on your diagnosis, of course. But I also mean in a mental capacity, because um, operating a laptop organizing people, communicating with people, it takes a lot out of you. And I know we all take it for granted, but actually it's, it's really, um, it's demanding stuff. I still limit myself to, to three meetings a week, most. And I definitely can't do two on one day because I'll just ruin myself for, for days to come. So yes, I hated it at the time, but they were all right, pace yourself.
0: Thank you for sharing your story and time with us today, Barbara. And thank you so much to everyone for listening to the podcast. If you don't already follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Big Sea Charity or at Big Sea Tweets on Twitter, um, please give us a follow. Um, We'd really appreciate that. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.